You're listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law. Today we're talking about the interesting area of defamation. And to talk about defamation, I've brought along our resident expert at Aspect Legal, Claire Gallagher. Claire is one of our solicitors at Aspect Legal and she originally studied media and journalism before beginning her legal career in litigation. And it's this background combination which has triggered her keen interest in defamation laws. Who better to introduce us to this topic than Claire? Thanks for coming along today, Claire. No worries, Joe. Thanks for having me. Great. Okay. Well, look, how about you kick it off for us, Claire, and let us know why is this area of defamation important for business owners to understand and be on top of? Yeah. So I think one of the really interesting things with defamation law is that a lot of people sort of have some sort of grasp on what it is, but I think it's worth sort of just briefly examining what it actually is, which then kind of explains why it's important. Basically, defamation is an area of law that involves a publication in any form whatsoever about someone that might be considered to cause harm to someone else. The interesting thing with defamation law is that a lot of people think it it only has to be something that's actually written down or something that's spoken, but that's not the case at all. We're actually seeing a lot of a lot more creativity in how people defaming other people. So it's only limited by imagination at this point. A couple of examples are there was a married couple from Sydney who complained about a far side comic that was published in a newspaper in which their actual home phone number was used to the fictitious but direct line on which to contact Satan. So all of a sudden this poor couple from Leichhardt started getting phone calls and that was held to be defamatory because it, you know, effectively led to the conclusion that the creator of the comic was linking them to Satan. Wow. That's one interesting thing about about defamation. I mean, I guess another thing is that basically it doesn't have to actually cause harm. It's just a statement or, you know, a publication that could be objectively interpreted as causing harm or damage to someone else. And likewise, the person who made the statements or published the publication doesn't actually have to have any intention of causing harm. So that's kind of a background of what defamation is. The reason it's so important is because defamation all goes to protection of reputation. And obviously, reputation is everything. There's that old adage that reputation comes on a tortoise and leaves on a horse. And that could not ring more truly in defamation. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess another reason why it's really important at this point in time is just because of the advent of the internet and social media. So it's one of those areas now that what someone says about you can spread like wildfire, even before you've had the opportunity to read it. It's it's not like old times where it had to be sort of published in a newspaper or something like that to really have an effect. It does spread very quickly and it's something that everyone has to be really aware of. And I guess it's really important then with those examples, it sort of shows how easy it is for people to do things that might potentially be defamatory. And as business owners, it's really important that we're very clear with 
staffing policies and all of those sorts of things in, in how information is communicated from a business to the outside world. I guess that that's probably part of the importance of understanding the area of defamation for business owners or marketing managers, people who are engaging staff that might be front facing to the online world. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really important area to be aware of and to make sure that the people that are making those comments are also aware of it and sort of know what they're doing and that they're not reactive type personalities. They're people that will stop and actually take a moment to consider what the ramifications of what they're doing might be. So yeah, it's a really important thing. Well, let's maybe start with the basics. What do you need to prove in order to prove a defamation action? What, what are the elements? Yeah, so basically it's just a matter of proving that very generally and very briefly that a publication was made, as I sort of touched on, that can be in any form whatsoever, that it was published to or about someone. So it, it does need to be an identifiable person. If someone came out and made a general statement about lawyers or doctors, we've heard all of those before, that's not something that you could bring a defamation claim for. It needs to be specifically identifiable as to who the comment or publication is about. Mm-hmm. The third thing is just that it needs to have been published to a third party. So mm. if you and I were having a conversation, Joe and I, I wouldn't do this, but if I said something about you that you could have deemed defamatory, that's not actually defamation. It needs mm-hmm. to have gone on to at least one other person. Mm-hmm. So whether that's something that someone's read, whether it's something that they've heard, anything like that, it just needs to have gone on to a third party. So they're the three elements that you need for defamation. And of course, that third element is pretty easy when we're talking about the online world. I mean, obviously, anything then that is published on social media would be seen to have met that last criteria, right? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Yep, yep. Even if it's sort of only on there for a few minutes, it's Mm. amazing how many people can see it and how much damage can be done in that short time. Mm, Absolutely. And then, so we're talking about individuals here. What about businesses, if businesses feel that they have been defamed? Is there any actions available to them? Yeah, so one of the interesting things with defamation law is that the uniform defamation laws, which are in place in Australia, actually mean that certain companies are prevented from bringing a claim for defamation. The basis of this is basically that because a company is an artificial entity, it doesn't have feelings as such that can be hurt. So, you know, even though it does have a reputation that can be damaged, the essence of what defamation is about isn't there. So if it is a company that has had sort of aspersions cast against it, there's a few important things to note. Firstly, if it's an individual within a company that's had the comments made about them or published about them in any form, they can definitely bring a claim for defamation. So say someone wrote something online and said the managing director of Corporation X did something, Mm. then that managing director, because they can be directly identified, they can most definitely bring a claim in defamation. But if it's the company itself that's had comments made about them, Unfortunately, they can't bring a claim in defamation. What they do have available is a different course of action called injurious falsehood. And so basically, injurious falsehood is what you would rely on as a company if you had had defamatory comments made about you. The issue with injurious falsehood as opposed to defamation is that there's more elements to prove and it is a higher 
sort of threshold to prove those elements. So a couple of the elements that do need to be proved that, that aren't necessary for defamation is that there needs to be malicious intent on the part of the person making the comments, whereas in defamation, it doesn't matter what the person intended, it just matters that the comments were made. In injurious falsehood, there needs to have been malicious intent. The corporation or the company that's bringing the complaint needs to prove that it's that the statement was actually false. So in defamation, there's a presumption of falsity, whereas obviously for injurious falsehood, that means there's a lot more evidence that needs to be demonstrated. And then the final thing, which is really difficult, is proving that actual damage was caused. So you do need to sort of quantify some sort of damage to show that the statements as they were made did, did cause loss of some sort to your corporation. So there are avenues available but they are slightly more difficult, unfortunately. Mm. So our businesses potentially have access to arguments that can be used against someone that they believe is defaming them or saying things about them that they claim not to be true. It's just that it's a higher bar to get over for a business than it is for an individual in relation to a defamation action. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I mean, I guess that comes down to sort of the really, really delicate balance we have in defamation, where it is sort of the balance between freedom of speech and people being able to voice an opinion Mm. and sort of the... um, freedom of information and what you can say and mm. versus an individual's right. So if you had big corporations that were able to slap a defamation claim on anyone that published sort of an opinion about them, obviously that would be an issue. Whereas for individuals, it is a much more sort of delicate area to protect your own reputation. Mm. But I mean, like individuals, corporations and companies do have as a first avenue, the same options available to them. And that's simply reaching out to the person that's made the statements or published the statements or anything like that and just asking them to remove it or retract it in whatever form it's been made. That's always a first step and that's always a recommended first step because quite often talking to people and saying that what they've said is defamatory or could be construed as being defamatory or damaging to their reputation is enough to make people reconsider how strongly they actually feel to make the comments mm. and whether it is something that they do want to continue to pursue and continue to you know stick to their guns on. Most people, you know, once they're aware that it, it has caused damage or that it could cause damage and it's potentially going to turn into a headache for them, will be happy to retract the statement. So that's always sort of the first consideration. And if that doesn't work, obviously, from a legal perspective, there's the injurious falsehood element and then potentially we might even be able to find for clients arguments in things such as misleading and deceptive conduct. Absolutely. If this is something that has happened in trade or it's a competitor, for example. Yeah. There are a number of potential avenues out there that should be examined on a case-by-case basis, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And it all comes down to sort of who the corporation is, what's being said about them. So Yeah, I think the important thing to keep in mind for business is that just because they can't sue in defamation, it doesn't mean it's the be all and end all. And it really comes down to just getting sort of the right advice and reaching out to someone to work out what the best claim to bring would be if comments have been made that are damaging to you. Yeah. Okay. And then, so I have another question. What if information has been posted on the internet? I guess, what can we look for, for remedies in this sort of situation? I mean, the internet is a really difficult space, isn't it? Because once something's out there, often it's captured in many ways, it's cached, it's hard to get that information back, even if you were able to organise a retraction. What sort of issues does the internet play in this area of defamation? 
Yeah, so the internet's a really interesting area and because it is sort of a comparatively new area compared to some of the more traditional forms of media, it is sort of an area that's still evolving in relation to defamation. So one thing with the internet is that a lot of people think it's sort of a defamation-free zone that just because you're sitting behind a keyboard, you can say whatever you want to say and there's going to be no ramifications and that's absolutely not the case. I think one of the things to keep in mind for the internet is that there are the same repercussions as if you had gone and published the same comment in a magazine that circulated around the country. Unfortunately, as you have highlighted, one of the problems with the internet is that once it's out there, it is out there, unfortunately. But one interesting way that people are dealing with this, particularly in relation to companies, is not necessarily asking for it to be taken down or seeking a retraction, but dealing with it head on. So taking a more proactive approach and maybe responding to the response and saying, we're sorry you feel this way and presenting their side of things. Mm. That's a way that quite often it can get across to whoever might be reading it that the person was potentially just on a bit of a high horse when they made the complaint about the company and that wasn't actually the real situation whatsoever. And it's a way of dealing with it directly so that no matter how far it's spread, there is this sort of response attached to it whereby the companies have managed to have their say as well. Obviously, individuals can do that as well. But I think one of the things in terms of responding is that before you do it, you just need to take a deep breath and make sure that, you know, it's all too tempting in terms of writing a response if someone's sort of said something that's a bit sensitive about you to fire straight back. Mm. But I think quite often that can do more damage than it does good. Mm. So I think one of the really important things is to consider what you're going to say and make sure that how you're responding is actually going to be beneficial to your reputation more than anything. But I mean, yeah, as you have touched on, that is one of the difficult things with the internet. Information can be spread so quickly Mm. and in a way that you're not aware of. So I think another important thing is that you need to be completely across the board in terms of monitoring what is being said. Yep, absolutely. And I think your point about taking emotion out of it before you make a response or before you make a decision about how you would deal with this information is a really important point. And it is important in relation to almost every area of law that I can think about. Yeah. Reacting immediately to things without understanding both your rights and obligations and requirements and the consequences of your actions can be something that can cause a lot of damage to organisations, far more than sometimes the original action. With everything in law, and I think your point on defamation is really spot on, it's about taking emotion out of it, taking a step back and discussing with people who understand the area first before you jump right on board and decide to make a response that you might regret in the future. Yeah, definitely. And I think what you've highlighted there is that it really does always come down to consequences. And I think there's sort of a perfect area of defamation law that does kind of touch on consequences and not considering them all before you formulate a response. There's this thing in defamation law that's called Streisand effect that has to do with Barbara Streisand, obviously, the celebrity. But in Australia, there's sort of an Australian version of it that has to do with Andrew Eddinghausen, the famous football player turned fisherman, I think he is these days. Uh huh. But yes, there's the case of Eddinghausen and Australian Consolidated Press, which is basically what happened there was a photographer and a reporter were given sort of completely unqualified qualified access to a company, the Australian Rugby League team, the Kangaroos, tour. And and what they were essentially doing was taking photos to put together for a children's charity, into into a book for a children's charity. 
Anyway, long and short of it was that HQ magazine published a double-page spread of a photo and it was titled Shower Power. And the photo basically showed Andrea Eddinghausen leaning against a wall, completely naked and facing the camera. And, and that was fine until he brought defamation proceedings about it, basically saying that the photo opened him up to ridicule on the basis that he would allow a naked photograph to be taken of him. And so what happened there was, which is really interesting um, in terms of consequences, is that the court did find in favour of Andrew Eddinghausen and did say that it did it open him up to ridicule. But what one commentator pointed out was that most people in Australia hadn't actually noticed the full exposure that was present in the photo because it sort of was a grainy picture and there were words covering it. But what did everyone that had a copy of the magazine do as soon as they heard about these defamation proceedings? They went back and double-checked and it meant that basically far more people saw the offending photo than would have had he just kept quiet and carried on. So that's another really important thing to consider is that quite often with defamation, responding to it is going to spread it even further. And so you really need to consider and weigh it up whether it's best to respond at all. And if so, what the most appropriate response is, it's going to have the least consequences for you. Mm, I think that's a really, really good point. That's a really good point. But And it's hard, isn't it? We talk about taking emotion out of it. But I guess if any of us had pictures that were distributed of us naked in the shower, we'd probably be upset as well. But I guess that's why particularly important in situations where they might be the most emotive to stand back and think about it before you make decisions. Because as you're saying, in this instance, even though it's completely understandable that anyone would take offence at those sorts of photos being published, if they didn't have permission from the individual to do so, as you say, the emotional response of fighting it in this instance gave breath to the flame and created more fire because more people were interested in seeing the picture. So it's it's just such a good example of trying to take the emotion out of it. Yeah. And it, I mean, it really is. It's a difficult thing. It's so hard not to have emotion when it's things that directly affect you or your reputation. Yeah. Then what are some of the action items that our listeners should be thinking about if they believe they have been defamed? Yes. If it's an individual that's been defamed, I think exactly what we said before. First thing is go and make yourself a cup of tea and don't respond on the spot because chances are you'll regret what you've said later. Get advice and sort of discuss with people when to pick your battles and when to let things slide because not everything is worth fighting. But I mean, generally, if it really is a serious thing that's been said against you or something that's particularly offensive, as I touched on before, quite often the simple act of asking someone to retract their statement or take it down or issue an apology will be enough. And that will usually be sufficient to completely cure whatever's being said about them or their reputation, um, particularly if someone's willing to publish sort of a public apology. If it's, say, they've made a comment on Facebook or some sort of social media and they then publish something saying, actually, that was completely wrong. Chances are the same people that have seen the first thing are going to see the second thing. So I guess that's the first step is usually if you contact the person and ask for them to take it down or apologise, chances are they will. If that's not enough, quite often a strongly worded letter will really makes people consider when you start talking about litigation, which is a perfectly considerable approach in cases of defamation. If you start talking about litigation, quite often it it's enough to make people reconsider where they actually stand on certain topics and just how strongly they feel about them. And again, quite often it is enough to make people back down. If that's still not enough, then 
litigation is an option. Again, as I've touched on, it's just a matter of balancing up um, sort of the damage that's been done to your reputation versus the cost and time that's taken with litigation. But it is obviously definitely there as an option. And sometimes it's really important to consider some of these more serious approaches, whether it be a letter from a lawyer, making it clear the rights that you have in relation to the defamation that has taken place, or even, as you say, taking that step of litigation, because sometimes people really need to understand how serious it is before they cease repeating an action against. Whilst it's important to take emotion out of it, as we've been saying, I think you're spot on that sometimes there is a good reason for taking things further. Yeah, particularly if there is that serious risk of repetition, that's one of the main things that you'd start looking at some of the more serious options. If someone's shown an absolutely flagrant disregard for anything that you've said to them, then yeah, you really do need to start considering some more serious options just so that it doesn't get out of hand. Mm, Absolutely. And then I guess the next thing we should look at then action steps for businesses in relation to ensuring that their workplace isn't creating the risk of defamation actions against them as an employer, as a business, in relation to things that the staff are doing or saying in social media or in, in other areas. So what's the recommendation here about businesses protecting themselves? I think for all business, regardless of how big or how small, the important thing is that you've got really, really specific and clear policies in place to do with not just social media, but publication of any comments, whether that be in some sort of comment section on someone else's website or whether you're reviewing another business. It needs to be spelled out very clearly and staff need to be aware of firstly who's allowed to make those comments on behalf of the business as we sort of touched on before I think a lot of people don't consider this seriousness of things that are said on the internet and they might make a comment on behalf of business and not consider that further down the line that could lead to a whole lot of trouble so it needs to be really clear clear who's allowed to make the comments in the first instance beyond that I think what can be said needs to be made really clear and spelled out very yeah very clearly in terms of what you can say about maybe competitors or what you can say about different people in in different industries or different businesses or individuals. Ideally, people that are trained in this area will be the ones making the comments, whether you have some sort of social media manager or online content manager. Ideally, it's people that do know what they're doing and at the very least people that don't have sort of reactive personalities, people that can sort of, yeah, separate out the personal side of things from the more commercial side of things and think about it with that sort of eyes rather than, um, yeah, just jumping on the first response that comes to mind, which, as we've touched on, can cause a whole lot of trouble. I was going to say, and I guess part of this comes back to internal training as well. Having training available, so we've got to have our policies and procedures in place so that people understand what the company line is. Then, as you say, it's about having the appropriate people act as the sign-off or the information outlet. And then I guess it's also training, making sure those people who are on the at the coalface are properly trained in the company policies, but also understand where the line is because sometimes that line can be really grey, right? So I guess it's about making sure people really understand. So having training policies in place. Definitely. And especially because the internet, particularly social media, is such a new area. There are so many people that think they're over what they're allowed to say and they're they're actually 
quite far away from knowing what they can and can't say. So those, yeah, that, that training is really important. I think as a final step, also making it really clear um, what action the, the company might take if someone doesn't stick to the policy and just making it clear how serious it is through those action steps, whether it's disciplinary or some form of meetings or restricting their access. I think it needs to be made really clear that this is something that the company does take seriously and that they will act on. Great. Okay. And I guess the last thing, you know, one thing that occurred to me as well is we talk to businesses all the time about being careful about what their staff and their personnel are communicating on their social media platforms. But the other element is also being careful about what external third parties are posting on your social media platforms as well. Because just because it's not you saying it, even though it may be someone else saying it, if you're part of the publishing of it and it's in your channel, then that maybe can create areas of risk as well. Yeah, that's exactly right. So one of the important things um, in, in that regard is anything that you do sort of control the publication of. So whether it's a comment section on your website or anything to do with your social media, that really needs to be closely monitored because exactly you've hit the nail on the head that if it is sort of something that you have been seen to be involved in the publication of or you've had control over, it comes down to control, and you haven't been sort of proactive in removing the comment or taking it down, then, yeah, the, you can absolutely be liable for um having that information displayed, even if it wasn't anyone from your company or anyone have anything to do with making the comments. And that can be a really dangerous area. Mm. Okay, good. So that last element then, I guess, is really about monitoring your own website blogs or your social media platforms where third parties may, may be making comments that might be seen as being things that are within your control. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's always important that if it might be it might be an issue. Just err on the side of caution and take it down. It's just Absolutely. not worth having it there. Wonderful. Great. Well, look, thank you so much, Claire, for giving us all of that information about defamation. I think it's a really important area for businesses and individuals to understand. So I guess as a bit of a recap, we talked about what the elements of defamation are. We talked about what to do if it happens to you. We talked about how the internet interacts with the area of defamation. We talked about the elements that you can think about if you've been defamed, that concept of taking the emotion out of it and consulting with people who understand what can be done in the area and how to manage these situations, but then also taking action and not afraid, not being afraid to be more serious about it if it's appropriate in the situation. And finally, we talked about how businesses can protect against these issues occurring in the first place by having internal training, having social media policies, by ensuring that their staff and personnel understand by having the appropriate people posting information and communicating to the outside world on behalf of the organisation and by monitoring um, our social media platforms and blogs. So that's it. Thanks so much, Claire, for coming along. No worries. Thanks for having me. Great. And if you listeners would like more information on this topic, then just head over to our website at talkinglaw.com.au. There you'll be able to download a transcript of this podcast episode if you're interested in going through each of these elements that we've talked about and action items in more detail. There you'll also find details of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal, like Claire, who can help you out with any of the items that we covered today. And finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, please pop over to iTunes and leave us a review. 
Thanks again for listening in. This has been Talking Law. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au.